Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. And welcome to another edition of GodPod. And uh, we are still in um, coronavirus lockdown, and uh, I am in my home in Twickenham in uh, West London, looking out on a nice sunny day, and the garden is outside, but I'm in my study. Uh, but we also have today uh, Jane Williams, who is uh, always one of the um, home team of GodPod. So, Jane, what wonderful to see you on Zoom. But uh, where are you today? I'm in my home in Cambridge. Um, yes, and GodPod obviously can't happen without me. Absolutely right. We always need Jane there to bring a bit of sense to the discussion. And um, so we have uh, Jane and myself, Graham Tomlin, and we also have a guest today. And uh, we're delighted to have with us um, the Reverend Rob Merchant. And um, uh, Rob, it's very good to have you with us. Where are you today? So uh, today I'm in my office at home and uh, here in North Islington in London. And uh, we're talking to Rob because uh, he's um, just about to bring out a book called uh, Broken by Fear, Anchored in Hope, Faithfulness in an Age of Anxiety. And so I think it's a really fascinating topic to explore, uh, both more generally, but also particularly within the current context that we're in right now with all the uh, ongoing development of coronavirus and lockdown and um, just emerging from that uh, and so on. So, Rob, it's um, really great to have you with us. Um, Rob, you're a, a tutor at St. Melitus College. Tell us a little bit about the role that you have there and how you became um, a member of the college staff. Sure. Well, um, I am uh, director of St. Melitus uh, Chelmsford, uh, which is one of our five teaching centres uh, located, and this one's located the Diocese of Chelmsford. Um, I'm also responsible for safeguarding within the life of the college as well. When I, when I joined the college, I actually joined as uh, director of dispersed learning, and uh, it was um, enabling us to, I guess, share what we do, uh, whether through video, audio, etc., and sort of help us think creatively about that. Yeah, I mean, we're doing rather yeah. dispersed learning right now all the time. That's all we do. <laughs> Absolutely, we live online. But um, I guess ending up at St. Melitus was utterly unexpected um, and not something I was looking for or thinking about. Um, my wife Tamsin is ordained and we were in the Diocese of Gloucester. I was doing a turnaround post within a multi-parish benefice. Tams was a uh, senior chaplain at the University of Gloucestershire and she'd felt a real call uh, back to London. She'd been a London ordinant um, and um, it's been a number of years since we've been here and she found a real call back to a particular place and um, um, and a job was advertised in exactly the place that she felt called um, and I saw the advert and and said um, uh, do you know what darling I think you actually need to apply for this and um, so she applied for it um, and she got the post um, I then um, had to suddenly think of oh my life what am I going to do um, and um, I was driving around in my little um, car um, around the seven villages and I heard the Lord say that in 12 months time I would have a job with director in the title mm -hmm. and so I crazily applied for everything going in London which had director in, in the title 
Director um, General of the BBC. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, admittedly, I do have delusions of grandeur, but I'm not that deluded. Um, but um, so, yeah, no, so I, I applied for posts that were coming up in the Diocese of London, which had director in the title. I came second in every interview I had. Um, but in one of those interviews, there was a chap there called Graham Tomlin, who was a principal of this college called St. Melitus College. Um, and after I got a phone call from the bishop saying, so sorry, Rob, you've come second again. I had a phone call from, um, from uh, Graham who, um, who phoned me up and said, uh, Rob, I've got this post and I've not been able to appoint someone to it. I was thinking, oh, I wonder what on earth this could be. I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd known you, Graham, from, from the days of training um, at uh, Wycliffe Hall, where you were my vice principal and one of my tutors. But, um, um, and I was listening, and you said, well, I've got this post, and it's uh, Director of Dispersed Learning, at which point I thought to myself, aha, it's got Ooh. Director in the title. <laughs> so that's how I started very at St. Lighter's College. Yeah, and I, I remember a, a very particular moment, Rob, um, which actually feeds into the book that you then went on to write, where you shared, I think you were preaching to the college community. And um, it was after, after you'd been with us for a couple of years and you shared that you'd made a very significant um, sort of step in your relationship with the college. One that was actually a, a difficult one and one that you've had to do before, in, in make a commitment to a particular community. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, my history means that I find attachment hard. I find um, understanding, understanding belonging. I find understanding friendship sort of difficult. Um, people find that odd in that I'm someone who relates and I like relationship. And I like talking to people, but I find um, secure attachment really difficult. And so I'd realized that um, a few years into being at St. Melitus, that this was a community that had accepted me and welcomed me um, and embraced me. And it was somewhere that I'd found great meaning and friendship. Um, but in that, I also realized that I needed to choose to belong to this community, that I had to make an active choice in my own life to say, no, this is a place of great meaning. It's a place where I am attached and it's a place where I choose to belong. And my, my, I guess my embodied action of that, my way of expressing it was to, was to stand up in front of the community and, and sort of say that honestly. Mm. So Rob, you've, um, you've written this book and you've been working on it for a number of years, I imagine. Um, its title is, is Broken by Fear, Anchored in Hope. That's quite a powerful title uh, in many ways. I mean, what led you to write the book? I guess in many ways it was a book that I could not write. Um, I had uh, written a book, um, I, I first wrote a book in 2003. And so if people have come across my name, they might have done it in related to the theology of ageing. Um, and I tried to write again after that book in 2003, but um, I'd, had, um, I'd had quite a lot of health issues. My mental health hadn't been good for quite a long time. Um, and, and so I had started to re-engage with, with, with writing once again, having been encouraged by fantastic colleagues at St. Melitus. And, and I was trying to write um, on something familiar, on ageing or on vocation. And every time I sat down to write, I just couldn't. And I had this story um, basically bubbling away inside. Um, and eventually I couldn't resist it any longer. And I had to sit down and I had to write it. Um, I wasn't quite expecting to write what I wrote. Um, 
there wasn't a great plan to it. Um, but it was a story that I had to, had to express, and it turned out to be my story. And that title, Broken by Fear, what, what, what did that mean? Um, that meant um, it was wanting to express something of what it is when we are shattered, when our past can so pour into our present that we are left in a state of disruption, of shatteredness. Um, so for me, I experienced early childhood trauma um, and that that trauma um, had had um, embedded fear um, in my life, and that fear um, had had shaped my responses. I mean, I mean that that fear and that impact of trauma had shaped why belonging to a community of Saint Melitus was really hard. It was something I had to choose, um, and so and so broken by fear was wanting to reflect that sort of that sort of state that we experience. Um, and also the state of the now as well for so many people. Because we are living in a very, very fearful climate and we have much to be afraid of at the moment. I think one of the things that struck me in reading um, a draft of your book, Rob, was um, it, you've regularly visited Rwanda with groups of St. Malita students as a kind of pilgrimage. Um, and uh, and you use... The, the terrible, terrible trauma um, of, of the genocide in Rwanda and how that society is dealing with it as, as, an, as an image of how you help others to and yourself to deal with it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Rwanda and those pilgrimages? It was encountering a land and a people that have experienced and lived through profound trauma and profound loss. Um, and in that, it was encountering a people who had chosen an action out of that. I mean, not everyone in the population was able to choose it, but it was uh, um, early on um, when the, um, it was the Rwandan Patriotic Front had, had sort of settled um, what had been taking place within the country. And it was President Paul Kagame um, faced a choice and the choice was either to retaliate um, against those who had committed so many atrocities and to see another million two million people killed or to choose something different um, and to choose a different way of being and living and from that a choice towards forgiveness but not a cheap forgiveness not a forgive and forget, one that was actual, embodied, lived out, tenuous, fragile. Um, and it was encountering that in the lived reality of people who were still working hard at that as well. And it was costly every day for them. And that they still lived in this in-between time, this now and not yet of, of sort of fear and hope. You know, the fear of not wanting to go back to what was and the fear of living with the ever-present reality of that and the hope for, the hope for their children, the hope for their future, and the hope for their country. And encountering such courage and such faithfulness really impacted me hugely. And when, when it really struck me both with your story and the Rwanda story, and then presumably with the story that we're now living through globally of the, the pandemic, is um, 
we have to give up this idea that we can go back to a normality before the trauma um, and, and actually face the fact that um, the only way um, is forward. The only way is, is, is living the reality of the life we've got yeah. and working out how to make that a source of hope. Which I think for me is reflective of the story of God, that for me it's going back to Eden, going back to the trauma of disruption of relationship. Um, and, that, and, that, and that we aren't simply returning to a, what once was, that in Christ all things are being made new, that what be, we are being called into um, and onto um, is something that is uh, wondrous um, and hope-filled um, and that for the Christian, um, for the person of faith making their pilgrimage through this life, that, that we do leave behind that which has shaped us. Um, but in that leaving behind, it isn't that it no longer holds us or no longer affects us, but we are engaged in a pilgrimage of renewal. We are engaged in a, in a pilgrimage of step-by-step, step, hopefully, please, Lord, becoming a little bit more like Jesus um, mm. until one day we see him face-to-face. Face. And, and your own experience of, um, of brokenness and mental health issues and the kind of things you, you've had to work your way through, Rob, I mean, it, what did that do to your faith? Did it make you... Uh, doubt God what did it do, do to your theology did it change the way you thought about God and about the way you thought about your faith well for me I before I became a Christian I became a Christian just before my 17th birthday and, and I and I and I talk about the story of that within the book but before that I was I was what I would describe as a really angry embittered young man um, I'd lived through I'd experienced um, physical and emotional abuse and sexual abuse from two different people and that had left me with a speech impediment and that had led to me um, being uh, bullied because of course if you're different then you stand out and I'd got to the point um, it, as a teenager of being a really angry young man who thought the world was a hateful place really um, and so my encounter with love in the person of Jesus Christ was one that was that, that radically disrupted um, my world as I had seen it um, as I had seen it constructed um, and so had led me to a place of, of of hope and a sort of unexpected hope within that and I guess it's that theme of radical disruption and unexpected hope that's something that I've seen continuously played out over the last what nearly nearly 30 years now um, since if that'll be 30 years this um, yes no it'd be 30 years this May June um, since I met Christ um, and so that that sort of disruption that 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 hopefulness has continuously played out as I've uh, been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder um, as I live with episodic depression, as I've lived with suicidal ideation, as I've lived with a whole range of different consequences of, of a trauma. Um, so for me, lockdown is I am, I am sort of happily back on Prozac again, because lockdown has been a disruptive experience. Um, and so it's been, for me, it's been triggering of a sort of depressive episode. Um, and so I find myself uh, uh, back on medication. Is that failure? No, because 
there's this wondrous gift of God in science and technology and the skills and vocations of scientists and people the world over that we're depending upon now to come up with a solution for us, um, sort of out of coronavirus, but also hope that all things will be made new in Christ Jesus. That, that's um, the second part of your title, Anchored in Hope, and you've been talking a little bit about that. I mean, in, in the darkest times, when, when you've, you've been right in the middle of, uh, of the, the um, kind of episodes you, you're talking about, I mean, how do you cope in that? What, what does, uh, do you find strategies to kind of manage that? I guess there are people who may be listening to this who are going through or have been through or will go through things like this. I mean, what, what are the, the ways in which you, you, you cope in those moments? Well, well, the first thing is, um, I've got an amazing wife. Oh, my life. Um, she's an utter gift. Um, uh, so Tamsin is. Um, but it is, look, um, for a long time, I used to keep things hidden. Um, and I used to think that the way that you dealt with things was to just press on and push through. Um, it turns out that your body can't sustain that. My, 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 my body couldn't. And I have learnt that the call of the Christian life, um, if uh, Paul is writing about anything in Philippians, he's writing about this journey of surrender, this journey of not simply stripping away, but of um, letting go of ego and, um, and self. And in that, to allow a profound honesty a profound vulnerability um, um i think it was Henri Nuon in his uh, book in the name of jesus um says something along the lines of that you know in terms of christian leads the future what they need to offer is uh, is is their own vulnerable self um and that christ comes to us in vulnerability the incarnation is a wondrous wondrous story of vulnerability and trust and hope and longing and that we're called into that story so i mean my so my, my advice to people is trust others trust and notice those whom god has put around you um, be willing to speak uh, be willing to say help when you need help um, and and also to set something in your day uh, on a regular basis where you either look for hope or you look for thankfulness um, and you notice something of the activity of God each day, each day. And that activity of God can be in the utter ordinariness of the day as well. Um, but there, there to notice the activity of God. In, um, in the book, you, you talk quite a bit about the Genesis story. And um, one of the things that really struck me was um, that episode where um, after um, the human creatures have eaten um, from the, the tree that they were forbidden to, God comes looking for them um, and they hide from God. And you talk about how um, for a long time, you, that where are you question that God asks um, felt like a threatening question hmm. until you realised it was actually um, a tender question, a question of God really uh, looking for Rob. Um, looking for, for each one of us and that that picture you offer of of truthfulness hope comes out of truthfulness um uh, is one that i think a lot of christians um need to come to terms with more we we tend to think that christian hope is pretending there's nothing wrong which is exactly the strategy that you said you couldn't survive it wouldn't it just was not manageable long term um and uh 
and I, I do wonder what that says to us as we try to rebuild or rethink a world post or with coronavirus long term. What does it mean to be truthful um, about the reality that we're that we're living in and see that not as 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 despairing but as as hopeful. Yeah, I think also being truthful about our fears in this time as well, that as we emerge from coronavirus, we're going to be uh, carrying with us a lot of anxiety because we have found ourselves sort of shut away and closed away. You know, there are people that we still won't be able to see for some of us. There'll be still people who'll be needing to shield for some time. Um, and and as we come out, we're going to need to talk about both our losses because there are those that we all have lost. There are those, I mean, 28,000 people so far in the UK um, have died through COVID-19. And that will, there will, there will be more people um, who are going to die due to COVID-19. There are people whose lives have been dramatically affected. There have been also those people who have served on sort of what we call the front line in sort of key worker roles in all kinds of different ways. And so people are going to emerge. And as we emerge, we're going to carry with us um, um, story but in our story we're going to carry fear and it would be to long and to encourage each one of us not to be ashamed of our fear not to be fearful of it to be able to speak of our stories and in that to be able to speak of our hopes as well. And Rob um, as you've gone through the experiences you have as you wrote the book did you find particular parts of the bible helpful to you were there particular um texts of scripture stories that you kept on re returning to or um that you would find you would go back to in those moments of real struggle yeah i, th I think for me there's a um oh I, there are various parts of scripture there i mean a few that come out would be would would it be Philippians the Paul's letter to the Philippians as a whole um, uh, when I when I when I was uh, at Wycliffe Hall training um, with you Graham um, my wife Taz and I lived not very far from a couple called Michael and Rosemary Green um, and uh, Michael was a brilliant evangelist missionary theologian um, and I taught Michael to use the internet and uh, one of the things that Michael told me as I was teaching him late at night how to use the internet, etc., was that um, he had memorized Philippians um, uh, word for word. It was one of his sort of spiritual actions that he had done. And um, it's always been precious to me, both Paul's acknowledgement of the fragility of life that you see within it, but also that commitment to surrender um, as well. And in that, this hope-filledness. Um, and, and also, I mean, I mean, the Psalms, I mean, um, con continuously, I mean, Psalm, Psalm 40 is one that, and the beginning of Psalm 40 is one I go back to time and time and time again. The Psalmist there in, sat in a miry pit, and the thing about a miry pit is that you can't get out of it because it's slimy and horrible and, you know, and you can try all you like, but you just slide back down inside exhausted. Um, but how the Psalmist says how they sit and wait patiently for the Lord. Um, and for me, looking at the psalmists who both bring an honesty in emotion and an honesty in experience, but an honesty in an ability to wait as well, you know, um, you know, that they can both rile and go, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this at this time. But at the same time, um, they're able to go, yet you are God, but you are God and you are God. Um, and in that 
they know the strength to wait for the one who has come and who is coming. And Rob, what are your um, what are your hopes for the book? When is it as it comes out? Uh, when it um, as it emerges and people read it, um, I guess who are you writing for? Do you have someone in mind? And what, what are your hopes for it as it's received and as it's read and taken on by people? Um, I guess <laughs> uh, if I'm honest, I get I get a whole mixture of emotions about this. I get quite a lot of fear and then quite a lot of hope. Strangely, <laughs> in terms of thinking, yeah, there were moments I read, I look at it and go, oh. Oh, crikey, I've been very honest all the way through this. What did I, did I really mean to be this honest? Um, and, then, and then I kind of look at it and go, well, actually, yeah, no, I did mean to be this honest. And, what, and so my hope for the book is that people encounter an honest story um, that would encourage them in their hope-filledness, that would encourage them in their honesty, would encourage them to look to Jesus um, and, and, and in that know the strength to live and that actually life is good. Look, we, look, we all live through trauma in so many different ways, um, but life is precious and what a wondrous gift um, and simply to notice that gift each and every day. Rob, we're um, really grateful to you both for uh, joining in on this conversation, but also for the book itself and the uh, uh, the gift that it, it is and, and, and will be for, for many people, because um, uh, it's rare to find a book that has this level of, sort of honesty to it. And um, uh, and and I think that, that title is a wonderful one because it gets to the depths of what you and many other people experience, that the brokenness that comes with fear, but, but also the anchored in hope side as well. It's not just a a kind of revelation of what you've been through a kind of rather which could be a very negative story but one that actually is, is honest about the sort of depths of the um of uh, despair that sometimes come but also the the reality of hope that that, that that can be found in the middle of that so um we're really grateful to you for um for coming on on godpot and sharing um news of the book it's um full title again is uh, broken by fear anchored in hope faithfulness in an age of anxiety uh, and it's uh, published by SPCK, and it's uh, £8.99. And um, uh, Rob, you are saying it's a little bit strange producing a book in the middle of um, lockdown or, or whatever a lockdown will be in when, when people listen to this. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a really odd experience. So I'm, you know, so it's, and, and it's finding uh, ways to be able to talk about it. Because um, all these different ways that we've had before of going out and meeting people, whether at festivals or going to sort of book readings or whatever you do, to, to be able to help people think something through. So it's lovely to have the opportunity with something like a God pod and to be able to talk and share the story, really, um, and to be able to talk to you. It's also really nice to see different people as well um, and uh, <laughs> go, hello. Exactly. I haven't seen yeah. either of you for a number of weeks. <laughs> Good. Well, Rob, um, thank you so much. And um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of God pod. The book is due out in... Uh, the middle of June 2020 so when, depending on whether you're listening when you're listening to this it might uh, still uh, be coming out if it's uh, if you are listening to this before then you can pre-order it on Amazon or other or the SBCK um, website or if it's after that you can just order it um, wherever you go or even go to a bookshop when the day comes and we can visit bookshops again so uh, until then well hopefully not until then because hopefully we'll be back with another god pod whatever the um, uh, lockdown situation is so um, thank you Jane as always for being part of this god pod discussion it's a great pleasure.
Thank you again, Rob, for your contributions and your um, uh, your sharing of your story today. And um, uh, so it's goodbye from me and goodbye from all of us. And we'll see you again sometime for the next time. That was GodPod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. Thank you.